Hello and welcome back to the Talking Points podcast. Hello to everyone who's on YouTube watching us now and on Spotify if you're listening. Make sure you rate us five stars. It's only myself and Matt today, so uh, thank you very much to the five viewers that have stuck around are <laughs> seeing that Tomo and Aldas are not here. But we are going to be breaking down the Austrian Grand Prix. And we had an absolute banger last time out of Britain. And you know what? Austria, back to back those two, two brilliant races. What are we rating out of 10, Matt? Oh, I've got to give this one, I think, an eight. Almost a nine, I think. But I think this has probably been the best case scenario of showing what these new 2022 cars can do. They can follow, they can fight. And I've, I just got a, a real good love for the Austrian track. It's like a huge go-kart track. And I think the drivers kind of like that as well. It's not that technical. It's pretty simple. But we've seen that with like Sakia before, you know, it's a simple layout, but it has really good racing. But what would you rate it, mate? I think the same. Eight out of 10 for me. Uh, why it's not as good as Britain last week. I think because Britain had a longer race lead battle. I think whilst there was the the thinking about, oh, is Verstappen going to do the the, the the more stops and it, is that strategy going to work out? It wasn't a lot going on on track, actually, between the two of them. There were the few overtakes, of course, but I think Britain mm. just had a lot more of, you know, the two people at the front a bit closer together fighting it out. So, uh, yeah, 8 out of 10 for me. And I agree with you on the Austrian track. I mean, it is always such a fun track to drive, but then also to watch cars fly around there because you have three amazing overtaking opportunities, but then they just fly through the high-speed section, uh, through the double left and the double right. So, uh, great mm. track, great race. And I think I agree, 8 out of 10 uh, on that one. And it was also a sprint race weekend. Now, this is the second... Sprint race, yes, because we have one in Imola. Second sprint race uh, format of 2022. What's your opinion on it? Because I still know that people are very much split on the sprint mm. races. Where do you stand? Yeah, I I still don't think it's correct for qualifying as the main format. I know they're still trying to mix things up, but I think with these new regulations, we're not really needing it as such. And obviously, the previous sprint races we've had before... Um, has really helped argue their case because, you know, the sprint races we've seen before have been really exciting and it's there's always been like sort of one big dramatic moment uh, which can really change up the field. You know, if it's um, it's almost as if like we've had qualifying in the rain, like like we had mm -hmm. last last week with, uh, with England. Um, but I'm still not set on it kind of working. I think it works great for the other formulas. Um, however, I think with this... I'm not too much of a fan. I know there's talks of a potential new qualifying format they're going to be bringing in uh, next year where they have to, I think they have to start on like Q1, they have to start on the hards, yes, uh, Q2 yeah, yeah. on mediums and Q3 on softs. That might be the wrong order, but it's something along those lines, which I'm actually no, that, more that, of a fan that, of that because right. that's, yeah, I think that's that, that for me, I'm more inclined to be like, you know what, that, that makes perfect sense because it keeps everyone on a level, level playing field. Whereas the sprint race, even with the cost cap, like teams are not going to be wanting to have much of a risk. If there wasn't a cost cap, then maybe there'd be more of an mm -hmm. argument for it because then, you know, teams can, you know, push a bit more and like they don't have to worry too much about the damage and like, you know, the cost implications of that. Um, and I think with this sprint race, <sighs> wasn't too much then. Like there was like a few places were made from like the starts. But apart from that, like... It wasn't like sort of anything to shout home about. But I know you're quite a big fan of um, sprint races. So what did you think of this one? <laughs> you mug. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what though? Um, this one was more enjoyable than others. And I, 
Whereas before, my problem with sprint races was that it made the qualifying grid and there was obviously like hardly any points for it. Now there's a lot more to fight for. You had Lewis fighting for the last point, batting with the Hasses. Um, mm. And that, that battle was sort of going on throughout the race. So that was enjoyable to watch that there was something actually going on out on track. We had the slight little battle at the start with, with the Ferraris as well. And then going into the race, the problem that we've usually had is that once the sprint race is done, everyone's kind of in their position where their car should be. Yeah. And for the rest of the race, nothing really happens. Uh, whereas here, you know, unlike Imola, where it was completely dry, it wasn't like rain affected or anything like that. It was completely dry. Uh, so you would expect that going into the actual race, things would stay similar. But there were a lot of good on-track battles. I think the strategies uh, definitely helped with that, with some people starting on the hards, others doing mediums, and there was a lot of stuff going on on track. So a pos I'd probably say second best sprint race we've had because I think Brazil was the best just because, but it was more artificial Brazil because you had Lewis at the back overtaking a lot of people. Mm. Whereas this one, I think yeah. the best one where there hasn't been anything artificial to make it more exciting, if that makes sense. Yeah. I probably think like, I th probably say my second, I, I won't put the second, I probably put up at Monza second, I think. Um, I do fully agree that uh, like Brazil. I wonder why. Um, yeah, I wonder exactly that. <laughs> uh, but it's also just because it was it was it was it obviously wasn't just you know like Lando and Daniel doing doing well in that. It yeah, was also because yeah, you did have race. like have actual people fighting for it. Because yeah, again, it's a simple track. Um, but I feel like yeah, here I think you said it perfectly. It it the sprint race just basically allows your cars to run to a certain distance. To then it's just about the cars' capabilities no longer really with the drivers, and it's more the drivers' um, sort of like uh, expertise and such working in the first couple laps and then basically you see the real pace of the cars later on they go into their natural position so then when you go into like proper race day on the sunday then it's kind of like well it doesn't make it as good because you're not seeing those people fight up as much however in this case scenario that wasn't the case and i think it's fair to say though that this race like last week for example it was all about the race lead whereas here I think this really shines a light on like the midfield battle and how close it mm -hmm. was. Um, but yeah, just it's just insane racing. Yeah, I think so. That's uh, that's our thoughts on the sprint race. Um, I think we can agree that this one was a lot better. I think it's still going in a positive direction, but I think I speak for both of us when we would still like to see improvements to make it there an actual reason to uh, to have yeah. the sprint races. But let's get into the juicy part where most of the points. All right, and that is, of course, the race starting off on Sunday. A good, clean race start. Um, Charles, was it Charles Leclerc? Yeah, Charles Leclerc having a bit of a fight with Max Verstappen. But the main yep. fight out on track was between George Russell and Sergio Perez. Now, yes. how fitting was it that a Mercedes on the inside <laughs> you punts off it. a Red Bull number two driver at turn four, and they go off into the gravel. George did get a five-second time penalty. I don't know. Maybe it's British bias, right? We're going there already. Maybe it's British bias. I, I can understand where the penalty came from. Obviously, Sergio was punted off to the back. There was contact. Was there enough room left? I do feel like there was mm. still enough room for, for, for both drivers. I'm not saying that George didn't have loads of room on the right, but I still also feel like Perez had more room on the left. The one thing that obviously the stewards have more of is they can slow this stuff down and see it you know, frame by frame and see where the driver's angles are going. So if you were to compare, like, I think when it was like the Verstappen-Hamilton crash in Silverstone, there was that video of the two lines merging compared to the, yeah. the Charles Leclerc-Hamilton one. Like, if, if I could see that and then it points to the direction that George is going out left anyway so that Perez would 
inevitably run out of room, then obviously it's George's fault. But from that short, quick replay, to me, it just looked like both of them did have enough room. So I was quite mm. surprised that, you know, it was a five second, but at the same time, I can kind of understand it. But uh, yeah. yeah, what did you make of it? Well, I think this kind of opens up to a bigger, broader subject of like the whole ruling of, you know, someone going over and overtake on the outside and getting pushed off. That seems to be the big talking point from Austria. Um, and the official ruling from the driving standards, which were released uh, this year. So any previous examples of, you know, people being punted off, you know, like Brazil last year, you know, with like Max and Lewis or even Silverson for that matter. Um, the, new, the new ruling is into effect this season. So obviously... You can't backdate the rule you currently got at the moment to change that. That's why they've changed the standards. So what the FIA have officially said to all drivers is that if you're going for an overtake around the outside, um, you need to allow the driver who's going on the outside. If he's at the apex before the person on the inside, then he is allowed to have, you need to give him the room. Um, and I think that's where they've had to kind of like clamp down. Um, so, you know, I think it was with... Uh, I'm trying to remember now, Lewis, Ham uh, not Lewis Hamilton, um, Lando Norris and Albon, Albon. Uh, during yeah. the sprint race. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, during the sprint race where um, Lando was just fractionally ahead going into turn three. Um, so with that official ruling, Albon had to give him space. So by Albon uh, sort of pushing him off a little bit, therefore Albon gets the penalty uh, rather than like, you know, uh, last uh, week with Schumacher and uh, Verstappen, um, if you watch the onboard, Schumacher wasn't at the apex first trying to go around the outside. So in theory, according to the rules, uh, not from this is not our opinion. This is what the ruling says. Um, therefore, you know, Max is allowed to sort of go wide there because it, in theory, it's his corner. Um, and then with this scenario as well, um, you if you really wanted to break it down to bare bones, you know, Sergio was ahead of George going into that corner, going around the outside. There is obviously the argument of like, you know, well, Perez, you know, has way more space on the left hand side um, or what have you. But if they are having to go down this official ruling, um, then, yeah, unfortunately, that's how they have to give it a slam dunk to sort of George. Now, there is obviously an argument to have. Well, they haven't been fully consistent. You know, Albon also did the same thing with Vettel. Um, and he didn't get a penalty for that, which I was really surprised with because that seems, I think for all of us, pretty slam dunk that Vettel was ahead of him going into the corner. Um, Vettel didn't turn in and Albon clearly hit the rear off and sort of ruined Vettel's race mm -hmm. there. Um, to the point that, you know, that like afterwards they went to the race stewards and they were arguing so much about it that Vettel left and got a fine for it because he's just so frustrated yeah. about the whole conversation about driving standards and they weren't talking about the briefing. But sorry, going back yeah. to this though, Looking at the onboard, for my personal take, it looked like George had full lock on. Um, and I, I'm kind of, I think it's more of a racing instant personally for me. And it's really hard to make it like a sort of a black and white situation of who's right, who's wrong. Um, I think they had to give the five second penalty to sort of go along with their, like their guidance, what they've written out. And I do feel like George maybe went in a bit too hot into the corner. However, I do completely understand why he was like, Perez turned on to me because Perez did have all that space. But then in Perez's mind, he was like, well, I'm right, I'm right, right, I left enough room. I made the corner first. So that's where the argument stands. But I think for me, they have to be starting to set a standard now of what the ruling is. And I think they have to keep it five seconds. So that's that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I completely understand it. That makes a lot of sense. Um 
yeah, I, I think I agree with you that I do feel like it should have been a bit more of a racing incident. I just feel like there was space for both drivers. They just kind of like magnetized mm. to each other. They both wanted to go into the middle of the track and then they came together. And I think that was a similar one for the Vettel Albon is that Albon was on the inside. Yeah. He had room on the left. Vettel did also have room on the right and they both just kind of like came together again. So yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but again, you need to look into it further and be like, where are those cars going in terms of their actual lines at the exit if they were to get there sort of thing. And if they were always going to come together, then it's a five second time penalty mm. for that. Right, yeah. moving on. Uh, there's a lot to break down here because I just feel like the race just went on forever. But let's talk about the change for the lead up at the front and the great battle we actually saw between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. I think there was some really good, clean, wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing between the two of them, some great defending from Max, some great attacking from Charles Leclerc. And when Leclerc finally did get the overtake done, I kind of feel like he <laughs> took Max by surprise because he just absolutely yeah. sent it to the inside Max was kind of half defending, but probably thought, okay, I've got it covered. Mm. He's a little bit too far back. He's not going to go for it. And then bam, Shoal went for it. But Shoal was actually doing a really good job on the brakes and braking a lot later than that Red Bull car. But I think a great battle between the two of them nonetheless. Yeah, totally. I mean, clearly, like, you know, Leclerc had more pace because his throttle was always at 30%. So, um... <laughs> but I think that's one thing that was really surprising is just like in the sprint race, it kind of seemed like the opposite of what happened in the main race, you know, it's like in the sprint race, it seemed like the Ferraris weren't really sort of keeping up with the Red Bull of, of Verstappen, but then it kind of seemed like it was completely the opposite way where of the Ferraris having way more pace than the Red Bulls in this scenario. So I don't know if, if yeah. tin full hat time, I, I kind of feel was, like they I might think have, it was you know, because like, the Ferraris decided to fight each other in the sprint. And then in the race, they were like, look, we can't mm. actually fight each other because we can get a one, two here. Yeah, or tin foil hat time. Maybe they just didn't go a hundred percent with their engine, and then in the race they went two hundred percent with their engine, and went to the point where Carlos <laughs> realised, oh wait, too much, too much. Dial it back, dial it back a little bit. Um, uh. But um, yeah, no, I do agree. Obviously, that yeah, they they didn't fight that as, as much, and obviously they were, they, the only opportunity they could really do that would probably be on the first opening laps. But yeah, you know, the battles between like Max and um, and Charles, it just it was it was great, and like that, that move, it was it was brilliant. It was like, like going back to what I said before, it was almost like it was like a go karting move. You know, Max was kind of half defending, uh, going into turn uh, four or five, I think it is. I'm not too sure because there's a little kink there. Um, mm -hmm. So either turn one or five. Um, He's kind of in the middle of the road, just sort of just doing it out of like obligation. You know, when it's like someone's following behind, you naturally want to poke out just to remind them, oh, I'm here. He yeah, kind of yeah, half yeah. did that. Um, but then Charles was like, nope, all right, I'm probably just going to send it in. And I love that. That was like good, clean racing there. Um, and sort of going a few times, going side by side, keeping it like no contact between them as well, which is really nice to see. Just really good racing. I think that's the sort of. I think it's kind of what we had for the rest of the rem remainder with the midfield, you know, just really clean racing. But um, but after that, though, it kind of just seemed like it just, just went away with it, really. Um, and, like, after they, their little battle, kind of didn't really see much of them again until the pit stops, really. Yeah, it was the the, the strategy changes that kind of brought the Verstappen back into it. But before we get into that part of the race, the main talking point, I think that everything was going on during the race, all the team radios was like track limit warning one, track limit warning two. It was like an F122 yeah. open lobby session <laughs> where you put on strict corner cutting, everybody getting penalised, getting warnings, all of that stuff. So uh, what did you make of it? Because I am, I'm kind of glad. I like track limits are defined by the white line. No, oh, you can extend at this corner, 
but you can't at this corner. Make it black and white around the track. The white line is the track limit, so you extend it. You get a warning. You get three warnings. You get a black and white flag. You get one after that. You get a penalty. I think that's the right way to go about it. What do you feel? Yeah, I totally agree. And like, there's also some people make the argument of like, oh, well, if there was gravel there, you wouldn't go for it. It's like, well, no, the gravel is there for a safety reason, not for a track limits reason. And I'm, I'm, I completely agree with you as well. You know, some drivers um, have been complaining that they can't see the white lines because of the new wheels and the new positioning in the car. So it's actually harder to see the apex. However, I'm like, well, you're also on a million, multi-million pound contract stop whining like your white line is the white line they literally have to like define where the edge of the track is and if you keep abusing that of like going past that then you should be penalized like there is a fine line they have to go with and it's as simple as that and you i think because the drivers are so used to being able to run wider on these tracks mm -hmm. i think it's pretty much in the last corner is where a lot of the track limits is yeah yeah detected. yeah it's the only part you but, can go um with. And I know, like, Max Verstappen after the race was also complaining that, like, you know, in some corners, it's so flat out that on the exit, you're not too sure, really, like, if you're going to make the corner or not, if you're going to go over the line. But it's like, well, that is kind of racing. You do need to police mm -hmm. it because although you could be, like, let's say 10 millimetres or 20 millimetres over the edge, it's they have to define and have to set the boundary of what is going to be. You can't just then allow, oh, no, you can allow 10 millimetres and 20 millimetres because then so many other teams and drivers would be like, oh, no, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, they would say, oh, well, I did that on my previous lap, so you need to give my, my lap time back. I was yeah, like, yeah. Well, no, they have to define and set a clear rule. And if you aren't confident of where your car is going to end up past the line, then that's how you should be penalised. Um, you know, we saw some drivers, you know, uh, getting some penalties and still having a good race. Um, we saw some drivers who weren't getting penalised and didn't have a good race. It's kind of like, well, maybe you should mix that into the strategy of you're like, you know, if you know you can get three warnings and then get a penalty, then yeah, absolutely go for it. Use that to your advantage. And mm -hmm. if you're needing to make up a couple of tents per lap, yeah, do the track limits uh, warning. So then you've got some in your back pocket. So then you can get a bit more, a bit more head. Like, you know, if Ben Daly was told you can corner cut at least once during this race, you're going to use that to your advantage. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so I think, yeah, they, they, I think it's very clear. Like, you do need to stay within the white line. None of this, like, oh, if there's gravel there, or you can. It's like if all, if you go past the line, all fill, all four wheels are past it. Yes, you need to then get a warning, and then if you accumulate enough, that's the issue. Uh, that's that's the, that's the result. But. Um, but yeah, I know that's been a talking a talking point for the whole of this weekend. But um, I think also, what do you think about this though? Like, I think the stewards just need to be a bit more on it because there's been some inconsistencies. I think with both the Formula Two race and the F one race of like not everyone properly being penalised. So, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that is actually quite hard to police. In all fairness, because you're watching. 20 drivers you need like one person watching each driver i don't know how they actually function or how it is done in the stewarding room but in reality if you're looking at track limits you need one person watching over the 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 t-pod on each car to define if they've gone <laughs> over track limits or something like that or or a system that has sensors all around that white line that as soon as you've gone over it flags up and that you've gone wide and then they can check if you've gained timed or something like that um, yeah, it's a difficult thing to police. I understand it's not like football where the referee is pretty much mm. just watching anything that's happening on the ball and anything that happens around yeah. it. He's got his fourth officials or whatever to to watch anything like that. But it's quite easier because it's like, this is what's happening right now. Whereas 
in Formula One, you you know, you've got a whole circuit and you've got 20 drivers that are spread around the whole circuit. It's very difficult to watch everything that's going on at the same time. But yeah. it was quite funny uh, just for, for once to see team radios popping up like, First warning, second warning, black and white yeah. black penalty. Even the it'd be, exact, getting... it'd be the it'd be the exact same team message as well. Like uh, first yeah, yeah, yeah. track limits warning, second track. Yeah, it's the exact same message for all yeah, teams. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was uh, Lewis Hamilton being like told his lap time was deleted. I was just like, does that now mean he's one lap down? Like, is yeah. that how that works? <laughs> you get your lap time deleted in a race. Back you go. Uh, that would be funny. Could you imagine if that happened? We'd just oh, never mate, get to yeah. the end of the race. They'd still be racing now. It'd be like Wimbledon where they just keep on doing tennis. Or, yeah, more, more sets onto it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just still going. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're policing it more this mm. year than they were last year because, like you say, as soon as you start to be a little bit lenient, then teams will start to push that. I'd be like, oh yeah, but we'll just go. Mm. Like, well, there's no difference between 10 centimeters here and 10 centimeters here. So you might as well just extend it a little bit here. They'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. But whereas yeah. you just go white line, it's like, yeah, but no, white line. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, one thing I'll no. quickly ask you about that is, is let's quickly just sort of look back at qualifying with Sergio Perez being disqualified from qualifying. Um, I would love to hear your take on it because I think it was his last lap uh, which got deleted because of track limits. Um, but his previous lap was absolutely fine and validated. But then he, they removed all of it and they only investigated it after the session. Um, my my thought on it is I thought that was incredibly harsh and I thought you should have just resulted back to what his previous actual correct lap time was because that was a clear fuck up on their part for not like rep- filing that during the qualifying session because I think Sergio said it best. It's like they then wasted like loads of tires for qualifying to get the best lap time. And then only afterwards they found out like, oh, all of it's been deleted. All of his uh, time has been deleted. So that's why he started P13. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Because I thought that was a bit, I was thought that was a bit harsh. I, I, I can understand that. And, and at the same point where you're like, yeah, it's, it's a waste of my time. Was it because I wasn't actually there watching Q or qualifying because I was working um i was i was on tv so i I could not watch very good excuse uh very good excuse um so yeah what was his q2 time that was penalized which meant that he shouldn't have actually gone to q3 and that's why they all got deleted or was all of his laps because that's what i read after qualifying because i did hear about this yeah i think but i I read that all of his laps were deleted because they all went over yeah i think it's basically like all of it i think all of his q3 times i believe were deleted um, I'm not sure if they're taking it from, and I I'm, and I'm, know I'm going to be corrected in the comments, so do apologies, but this is from what I thought what happened, is that he got, onto Q, got into Q3 absolutely fine, but then uh, his lap time, I think, in Q3 got deleted, so all of them being scrapped because it's kind of after the session, and then just got resulted back to P13. But anyway, I think it was like, this is what the whole topic we talk about this is, is more like they need to be policing the track limits during the actual session, not afterwards, because then you have the mix up of the grids and then like sort of Perez said, it's like, well, what's the point? We just wasted all these tires and for no reason. Um, if we just knew, like if I hadn't made Q3, then we would have like been able to save a bit more. But anyway, I just want to get your uh, your two takes on it. But um, right, anyway, back yeah. onto the main race. So <laughs> back onto the race. <laughs> the comments will let us know um, what happened. Yes, you can argue I'm sorry in advance. I, I'm not fully educated on that. <laughs> that's what we're here for. We're, that's why we like you guys in the comments because you can help educate us. We do take what you say. So do leave a comment down below if we've missed something or if something you want us to talk about because it always helps us because, you know, also, we're, only... we're not pundits. We're not experts. Yeah. We're fans. That's the main thing. Like, don't look <laughs> at us of being like, oh, they've got opinions. How dare they? Like, we are fans. Like, 
Like, Hayden is Stroll biased. I am Daniel Ricciardo biased. Tomo is um, Albon biased. And Aldas is Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso biased. Like, we Aldas are just fans of it. Not, we're not on punters. the fence the whole time. <laughs> on the fence, completely. On the fence. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, right into the race. I'm trying to remember because there was so much. That's that's why I did like this race is that there was so much going on throughout the whole thing. But it also makes doing this podcast very difficult <laughs> off memory of like where was everyone, what was going on. Um, so let's just jump straight into the Carlos Sainz DNF. Obviously, we had Verstappen who tried to do more pit stops. Um, but it just seemed like when Leclerc pitted back onto the hards, he was like a second a lap quicker at one point, that they were just so much better when they were cleaner, and then Verstappen tried to do it again. At one point, I actually thought the more stops was going to work, but I just think the Ferrari was just a quicker car, clearly, uh, around this circuit. Mm. Then Sites nearly had that opportunity to get into P2, and then the engine goes pop. Uh, it, start, it gets set alight. I was, uh, I was cheering when I saw the smoke coming out the back, and I was wearing a Ferrari shirt because I saw Lewis Hamilton come into the pits. It's a very confusing moment, I'm sure, for anybody watching Backseat Driver. But that's just how we were like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> that's the wrong car. Um, it's a yeah. shame for Carlos. Um, and it was very weird because, obviously, he's parked up on a hill. The flames are starting to build yeah. up. And it just seemed like there were no marshals. Now, I'm not going to criticise marshals because I think they do an amazing job. They're volunteers at the end of the day, they don't have to be there. And without them, our sport would not function. And I don't know what these three people were doing, but there was a shot at one point where you saw three people's legs just standing there wearing martial uniform and just yeah. not doing anything whilst his car's on fire. There's a driver in there. He can't get out because as soon as he tries to, the car's rolling down. And there was one marshal. Yeah. And yeah, okay, he dropped the, the chock or whatever it is to stop. But he was, fair enough, he went and helped. And, you know, in that scenario, you're not going to be calm and collected to be like, oh, I'm going to carefully place this chock in the right position. You get a panic and try and do it as quickly as possible. So shout out to yeah. that marshal because he got there. He got the fire extinguisher. You know, he got the chock in and helped science get out. But... You know, it's one of those things that I just feel like it should have happened a lot quicker, but also devastating, of course, for Carlos Sainz, because I think, you know, if it wasn't already apparent, his championship hopes are over the season. Yeah, and I think also one thing to quickly, like, just address as well, like, I think when Hayden was cheering, when they saw the smoke come out, it's not, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of you, it's very much like it's saying, like, you're not cheering because, yay, his car's on fire, Fuck him, sort of thing. It's very much because your driver could then potentially be on the podium. So I think, like, before anyone comes yeah, with the pitchforks, yeah. that's not the, that's not the case scenario. And I think it's yeah. also when sometimes you see like some drivers go off or anything. I think that's it's never. I think malicious, like, yeah, fuck him. He's 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 out. Like he's, he's hurting. <laughs> like that's. I don't think it, in uh, for in you in this case. I'm I'm just covering your own back here. Well, because um, usually usually my, we yeah, see it like yeah. when they drop down initially. Like I was cheering when sights as soon as he like slowed down. So like that initial part, yeah. that's when I'm cheering. And like the Vettel one, but then, I'm seeing him drop down yeah. in the graphics. I'm like, yes, it's not Stroll. Um, yeah. But, but then when you see the see fire the and, 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 and yeah, yeah. I, think, I think when you then see the fire afterwards, you're a bit like, oh, actually, hang on a minute. This is not cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm with the whole Marshall thing, it's frustrating because like, and it's just not me plugging my own video, but like I've done a video before where I've done Marshall training literally learning how to tackle a fire. I've, I've gone through the training process and done it myself of how you tackle fires. Um, so a quick TLDR for people who don't know, 
on each of these corners, you've got two fire marshals. You've got one who's got some dry powder and you've got one who's got foam powder. The dry powder is literally to knock down the flame, but it won't extinguish it. And then the foam will come in to then actually get to like cover the, the fuel or the oil, which is actually making it ignite. So that's what it is. So the dry powder is what we saw in Bahrain um, with Roman Grosjean, the guy who's extinguishing it down. It's literally a dry powder to knock down the flame. So then at least you can visually see where you can get out effectively so in this scenario where he parks up yes it is really hard because basically you know obviously f1 cars don't have handbrakes he can't and he, as he's on a hill he can't brake and get out the car so that's why carlos is kind of like i'm not too sure really what he can do because if he was to just get out the car would roll back onto track and then potentially go into some other cars that can come back so obviously he's not looking he's trying to be the safe he can i think the annoying thing for me is that as you said you see uh, for me, I only saw two marshals, and I think it was a photographer as well, who you can see there in like full, full white. Mm -hmm. You see a marshal in the top right of the picture, and you can go back in the footage, and you basically you see him come down. He places a fire extinguisher on the ground, and then just goes back up to almost as if he's going to grab another one. And for me, that's where the training for the marshals hasn't worked correctly because as soon as you see fire, you're a it, you can then take over from race control and just go straight onto it. And it's the same with like Monaco marshals, any marshals around the world. If you see fire, you go straight on and basically try and sort it out uh, straight away. If someone has parked up, you wait for race control to tell you to go onto track and go for it. And in that scenario, that one particular marshal, and it's not me throwing shade or anything, it's where he hasn't been trained properly to like, you have to just go tackle it straight away because he's got the... he. If you've got red overalls on, you're the one who's been told to go deal with that. Um, and I, yeah, the other marshal luckily got there in time who did throw a chalk down. And then it, I think he just missed and it kept going up. But luckily, Carlos got out in time. Um, and it's obviously frustrating for us because we're like, oh, why is it anyone running there running there? But also they do have to like sort of they're not expecting, you know, a car to come in with fire. And mm -hmm. like I think also this case scenario as well, the fire just grew so quickly because yeah. I think it was on one of the replays. We saw him. Uh, it was the front on camera shot of him coming in. And then we just see the engine properly just explode and yeah, like yeah, breaking yeah. the bodywork on the side. It was really sketchy. Um so, yeah, it's, it's a shame. I mean, ultimately, everyone was safe. You know, the car is fully gone um, and everyone is safe to the best of, the, of our knowledge. Um, Carlos got out great and, and the marshals are all good as well. Um, but, yeah, it just it kind of just seemed like it did look a bit dysfunctioned. Um, it's a shame. And I think it's literally, yeah, it's not on the marshal uh, who was there. It's, it's, it's down to the training um, mm -hmm. because, yeah a lot of the time you need to always be ready, not sitting on a deck chair and sort of doing what have you, not saying that's what the marshal was doing. Um, but I think with that one, yeah, it's just, it's all down to the training. You've always got to be ready. And, and like, and it seemed on that scenario, they just kind of really weren't. And it kind of was all just like a bit of a fumbling around really. So, but yeah, um, obviously him retiring out then sort of, um, I, was, I fully thought it was going to be a safety car because also it was fire on track. Mm-hmm. Um, right next track. to yeah, turn, turn End of the track. So I was surprised zone. actually. Yeah, surprised it went to a virtual. But would would you want it to be a safety car? Because that's what I would have. I I mean, as a fan, I'm always going to say yes to a safety car. I think it just gives the race something else. You know, um, in terms of safety, I think virtual and normal safety cars do the same because you have to stick to the same delta whether you're under a normal safety car or you're under a virtual. I think the delta is the same. Obviously, comments can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the delta is the same between whether you're, you well, know, I think the, the only safety difference... car being deployed. 
Yeah, I think the only difference is with the safety car, um, and I think this you can apply this back to um, Abu Dhabi when Latifi binned it on the last corner, um, is that if you are going past the incident um, and there's, like, say, a forklift out on track, the safety car will then go even slower. So even though you've got a yeah. normal delta yeah, yeah, yeah. on the track, it's so only when you're going around under... the instance. Yeah, yeah, that's obviously under uh, yeah, the actual... Going... Safety cars. So that what I meant was just like once that's initially like straight away being deployed, before oh, you caught back yes, up to yeah. the safety car, I think the delta is is the same between the two of them. So you're still driving yeah, yeah. at a safe speed, and you know your your team would be on the radio saying the instance of this part, extra caution here, sort of thing. Um, so as a fan, I would always say safety cars better, but you know to, other fans like Charles Leclerc fans would be like no virtual safety car was the right thing because then it doesn't give Max a chance to not only pit for fresh tyres, but also be right on his tail as well whilst he's having yeah. those throttle uh, issues. One thing I want to question as well, um, you mentioned it and, and it just sprung to mind, handbrakes on F1 cars. Um, is that a safety feature that needs to be be looked at? Because it it's very rare we do see that it is parked on a hill, but we have seen it before, reminded back to 2013, Jules Bianchi, um, when he uh, retired the car in Germany and the car rolled back onto the circuit. Uh, obviously, we have it here. Now, like I say, it's a rare thing, but I do also think it is something that needs to be looked at because it took a while for science to get out the car because he had to keep on getting back in, hitting the brake, then trying to get out, then hit the brake again, couldn't properly get out. If he did manage to get out and the marshal wasn't there, that car would have just rolled back onto track into the path of cars coming at a big braking zone at one of the fastest part and best overtaking opportunities of the track so it's definitely something that i feel like needs to be looked at obviously the system of just a simple handbrake isn't like the easy fix you know it's not just being like oh yeah just implement a handbrake it's job done but i'm sure the comments will let me know if uh, if technically you can't have a handbrake in a car but i don't know what you think of it i do feel like it's something that needs to be looked at i mean formula one safety can always be improved on yeah, totally. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. That for like just because uh, this is like a very like um, a one-off incident, um, there's always room to improve safety. And like I know there'd be some people who can think, oh, well, motorsport is dangerous. You've got to allow it. It's like yeah, but this in this scenario, if you can make it, then why not? Um, I don't. I personally don't think we need handbrakes in F1 cars. Um, Obviously, like we can look back on this retrospectively and be like, well, he could have gone into the gravel and that could have stopped him. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know if you can do this with cars, but basically you could put it into first gear, then turn off the car. So then it's mechanically stuck in gear and it's kind of like a handbrake in that way. You know, you saw when you park on a yeah. hill, you put it into like first gear. Yeah, so if yeah. your handbrake does fail, it will mechanically. So I don't know if that is the same, if you can do that with F1 cars. But ultimately, if your car last signs and you've got, like fucking flames behind you. You're not thinking about any of that. You're just like, I just want to get get yeah. out of this car. Like, yeah, like you're yeah, not yeah. thinking about any yeah. of that stuff. Um, and I think with this, it was such a benign um, sort of random incident that like most times when you're pulling up, it's on flat um, sort of mm -hmm. uh, sort of area. And the runoff sort of area he had, it was slightly. It wasn't like a massive hill. It was just slightly inclined, uh, as it were. Um, but even then, you know, you could always just like it's it's. I think it's. Yeah, for me, I, I don't think you. I don't think they should be needing to have a handbrake on because, also, God forbid, if something like that mechanically went wrong during a race, you just do a sudden handbrake turn. That could be really dangerous. Yeah. You know, just fully just slamming onto the brakes. Um, and it, obviously, I think it would have to be hydraulic as well. Uh, so you just press a button because obviously they can't just go. I mean, it would make some for some really good like PR videos, I guess. Um, 
but yeah, I think I, I don't think they'll need a mins fit, but I'm sure they'll look into probably like a fire extinguisher setting because I know there is one. Um, and there is automatic fire extinguishers within the cockpit. You know, we've seen it in yeah. before where it's accidentally yeah, yeah. exploded for like I think it's like F two or even F one races. Um, so I'm surprised something like this didn't go off. Um, but I know there might be a conversation at the moment. They're looking into you know potentially adding more safety into the roll hoop structure. So maybe there, mm -hmm. you know, if that was to be the same material as say like the uh, as the Halo device, obviously no longer being carbon fiber, but maybe something like you know making that one piece. And if there's a hole in the middle, maybe you could fit a fire extinguisher into that, and it might automatically deploy or something. I, I'm not too sure. Um, I'm not. I'm not a guy who can design this. I'm just speaking out loud. But <laughs> I think for a handbrake, yeah, I'm, I don't think it's needed. <laughs> Fair. No handbrakes in F1 then, I see. Uh, that would be cool though, you know, just uh, go around a hairpin, just pull the handbrake, flip it round, get the handbrake back off. You know, what, yeah, yeah, what an overtake that would be. Um, right, let's get back into the racing then. Charles Leclerc versus Max Verstappen. Very shaky at the end for Charles Leclerc, having some throttle issues. Um, I believe the issue was that it was staying on a little bit. It was kind of like sticking, which around here... Yeah where it's high speed, you've got big braking zones, you're going to get onto the brakes and the throttle's going to try and give you a little bit more push. So you have to brake a little bit earlier into corners. Um, I think he managed it well. And I mean, the gap came down a bit on the last lap, but it didn't really decrease by that much. Maybe like a second total or just over a second, but I think he managed it yeah. quite well. I think also he's about five or six seconds ahead of Max at that point. And I think at the end it was about three seconds um but i don't know about you but like when we just it was just i think it was like three or four laps just after science's retirement then hear the radio being of leclerc being like the throttle wasn't working and the team were like we can't see anything it was a bit like oh something's about to go yeah. off here and like i'm i'm more here for like the entertainment more for the spice not i'm not like going against like leclerc or ferrari gender or anything like that it's more just like oh another thing to spice up the race a little bit more um but yeah, I think he managed it quite well, and like effectively, we saw it on the I think on the on-screen telemetry where uh, you know when they have the awesome graphic where you can see like the throttle and the brake inputs. So like going into like uh, any heavy braking zone, like into like turn three where you're fully off the power, you could just see the throttle is still on like twenty or thirty percent on yeah. it. And now there we can clearly see from our telemetry that we're getting like oh that's how much he's actually when his foot is fully off it, it's still not yeah. um still not coming off. Um, I think ultimately, though, it was a bit of extra spice, but it didn't amount to anything. So it's good that he kind of managed it. But I mean, like, I, th I feel like, yeah, as you said, you just got to break a little bit earlier into corners so you can driving a bit a bit more mm -hmm. through. I mean, that's what they're having to do anyway with these new cars. That's, I think, the main thing that we've learned that they can't do as a late break as they would like to before. Um, they have to break a bit earlier so you can travel more um, more load into the tyres and more speed through the corners. So you're just managing a bit that way. And plus, he didn't need to push on those final laps anyway. He had a bit of a margin for Stappen. Um, but one thing, though, just before we go on to the end of the race, we do need to talk about the midfield battle between yes. Joe, between Norris, between the Hasses. Like, this was the true was Hass in there too. show. And Lance Stroll was in there to Cool credit to him as well. Like, and I, I think the over overarching whole thing about this is one. I am so happy that we actually got to see the midfield battle mm -hmm. uh, this time because so often we're just watching the leaders and we're constantly seeing, um, you know, uh, like uh, guys overtaking the midfield battle. We're not, and we're not watching it. Um, and I think I feel like this is the first time they've probably been like, no, you know what? Let's actually focus on the midfield battle. And I'm so glad we did because we saw three wide going into turn one and then almost like five on six 
folk going into like turn three. It was yeah. so, so good. And it was all clean racing as well. No damage yeah. or anything. Like, what did you make about it? Because, yeah, your boy was right in the, uh, right in the pack there. <laughs> Loved it. The first one, because there was the first one that was between, like, Magnuson when he got the double overtake and then Alonso, Joe, and I think yeah. it was Norris and Mick. So that was that lot. And uh, obviously cool for Joe to be fighting his hero, Alonso. And then his switchback, like, Magnuson oh. double move, great overtake. Mm. And then Joe was like, kind of know that Magnussen was quicker. So he just backed off and let Alonso on the inside, switched it back, tried to get it back up into turn three, just didn't have the pace in the Alpha compared to the Alpine. But I thought it was just great racing between between those three. So and then, good. Uh, Norris and, and uh, Mick Schumacher just kind of getting involved uh, in the end of it. But great battle between them. And then because Stroll in the worst car on the grid, apart from Latifi's car, um latifi's car is the worst <laughs> car but when they when he gets those upgrades from williams at least it'll be a better car more of a midfield car uh but right now i think the aston is the worst car on the grid and he's just there on older tires just trying to hold on to that position <laughs> russell gets in then mick gets in then magnuson and he's just defending and he just has a great battle i think with uh it was even i think it was mick schumacher and it was just kind of like back and forth like i thought the, the house was going to get it done quite quickly mm. um but then uh, Stroll was just alongside into the braking zone so he could just keep it in there and it was just a really good battle and it was good to see obviously um, yeah. him actually fighting with other people instead of just being at the back all the time but yeah beautiful clean racing and like, a lot <coughs> pardon me oh. uh, a lot of people um, I know I've got, I'm, I'm ill I've got a bad cough um, a lot of people always slam races sometimes because maybe there's not a battle going on up front and I always like to bang that drum and be like yeah but look at the battle that was going on in the midfield but finally because we actually really got to see it and it was also insane um i think that's why this race is definitely an eight out of ten uh it was just it was just incredible mm. it was so close to being a nine as well and i don't know about you but like i think Haas really stole the show here like the mm -hmm. amount of pace they had and i think all of us watching it is because we've all got our ideations or uh, ideations of how the Haas team are performing. You know, they said like last season, oh, all of our focus is 2022. We all kind of went, uh -huh, yeah, sure, whatever. That's still not going to amount to anything. And here they're on P7, P6 on just pure pace alone and having such great battles, you know, like Mick and Magnuson sort of swapping. Um, and then, you know, they're battling with Hamilton, you know, they're battling, you know, like Stroll and, and, uh, McLaren it was just like it was so great to see and I think the real I think having a two-stop really helped show those battles a lot more because we see the first bit of fighting then everyone sort of box and then like sort of mix up the tire strategies a little bit that way I feel like anyone who went onto the softs had a disadvantage it seems like the soft tire really is giving a disadvantage to anyone um mm -hmm. but like anyone who's going onto mediums onto hards and it's just like then we get to get to get to see a repeat of those fast cars trying to battle to come through. I thought I thought it was great, but I think Haas really stole the show here. Um, and I think like yeah, this track just really really suits them. So I'm excited to see when we go to like the the other shorter tracks on on the on the season. You know when we go to um, I can't think of any now. Um, I think Monza would be quite Monza, good for them, for example, because yeah. it's very very fast. Absolutely, I think yeah. they've got great top end speed. Yeah. Yeah and, yeah, and I think, like, we can't really draw parallels to last season. So, you know, like, McLaren, for example, if you look at their last two seasons at Austria, you think, oh, yeah, they're easy top five for them. But obviously, it's got the new regs and stuff, so it's not been the case. However, um, like, you know, Paul Ricard, we've seen 
that might be a more suitable track for them um, because they did kind of a right at Silverstone, um, or sort of. Um, but you, you, it's, it's you, so you can't really draw parallels with like last season. So I think you know those shorter tracks. I think is going to do really well for Haas. Yeah, as you said, Mons would be doing really well. Um, but then those so more complicated ones, it's uh, maybe not. But uh, but yeah, there we go. Wow, <laughs> this is a good race. That's the race. <laughs> A very good race. Before we get into the head-to-heads, there is one thing I do want to discuss, and I don't want to put a downer on anything, but the news coming out of the fans in the grandstand making others feel uncomfortable. I don't know if you've heard about this, but basically yes. what has happened is a lot of fans have been reporting racist behaviour, homophobic behaviour, physical sexual harassment whilst at circuits, and this isn't pointing the finger at anybody in particular but you know it seems to happen when we go to these circuits where there is an abundance of Verstappen fans and I do love the Verstappen fans that come into it this is not pointing a finger at the whole uh, community Mm. it's just individuals that ruin it for others and the Verstappen like I I I love a bit of football coming into Formula One where you can you know get a few chants going and just have a bit more banter. I love that sort of aspect. And I do think that Verstappen fans have kind of brought that a bit more from what was a bit more of a quiet, gentleman's fan experience. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's how I kind of saw Formula One before the sort of Verstappen Orange Army era. Uh, but then you know you can have that sort of banter with each other and you can keep it very much respectful but then when you're making others feel uncomfortable at a grand prix because you find it funny or because you you've had too much to drink that's not an excuse and that's not welcome in any sport you know let alone formula one and yeah okay i'm not saying that formula one was perfect and that it's completely on the verstappen fan base but there are particular individuals that you know if if you are one of these people that have been involved or, or you've even you know laughed at somebody else who's been doing it then you need to hold yourself accountable and you need to, you know, think about, you know, yourself, really, because it's it's just it's just not right. It's not welcoming our sport. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pigeonhole it to Mr. Verstappen fans. There have been cases, I mean, literally like last weekend with like Hamilton fans, um, you know, uh, doing booing and stuff like that. Like, so yeah, but I booing's I different. Like, booing, booing, I... Booing, I don't mind, in all fairness, because that's that's where the football aspect comes from. Like, if if I was, I'm a Portsmouth fan. If I'm going to Southampton game, I'm not going to cry because Portsmouth players are being booed by Southampton fans. And it's the same the other way. Like, I don't mind that. That's what you should kind of like expect if you're if you're a rival of one driver going to their country's race. But it's going to be the same the other way. You know, Hamilton's going to get booed by Verstappen fans in the Dutch GP. That sort of stuff, I don't I don't mind. But if you're going to be racist to people, if you're going to be homophobic, and if you're going to sexually assault people, then it has no no no, no need for it. And like I I feel like you know watching being at Britain, I saw so many people with orange stuff on, you know, Verstappen fans just ignored, you know, just just happily getting on with their day. And I feel like it's the opposite the other way around. Like I do not feel comfortable if I went to the Dutch Grand Prix as a Lewis Hamilton fan because I just feel like I don't know. I don't know what you think, but that's how. Yeah, I, 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 I think with this case, I, I can't say it's 
just for Sappen fans because it's not just for Sappen fans. And like, although like booing is part of you know a bit of football culture, and we and and it's not the same case as you know like throwing out a, a racial slur or anything. I, I, my only thing is like I'm not pigeonholing it to the Sappen fans. It's people who've come mm-hmm. to watch Formula One and have chosen to be disrespectful, and there is no place for it. So that's why I'm not pigeonholing it of, of like it's just a Verstappen fan or it's just a Lewis Hamilton fan because we've seen it on both both ends um, of not even just pigeonholing to like those two driver fan bases. It's it's open to all drivers. It's people who've come to spectate the race um, and think they can just get away with it because they're one of a crowd. It's a, it's a, that's their shield of, you know, kind of the same, you know, people being behind a keyboard and just uh, splurting off any sort of abuse and online. And that's, that's their defense mechanism. They're like, Oh, I'm not going to get caught out because it, as you said, they're making the excuse of like, Oh, I'm in the sun. I've been drinking. It's not an excuse whatsoever. And so like, I don't care if it is a Lewis fan or if it's a Verstappen fan or even, you know, if it's people from Austria or whatever country you're from, like you're not a proper fan if you're being disrespectful to other people. We are much better than that. Like we're all there just to enjoy the sport. And, you know, even you have it, Hayden, where like, for example, yesterday you were wearing a uh, Ferrari shirt, but then uh, some people take you celebrating that Lewis Hamilton's coming through. You're just wearing a shirt because Mm -hmm. you're like, you like the, you like the team. It's not like, uh, going against Leclerc and not going against the science or anything. And I think, um, obviously, there was some talk of like, you know, why wasn't this like sort of brought up quicker? I think you people need to like sort of realize that like when the reports of all this stuff was happening, it was kind of happening on the morning of the race day and the accounts who had, you know, initially talked about it, you have to look at it and be like, well, they didn't have much of a following base. So if they were just going to tweet the F1 account, they might not get much interaction from the account because of so many people flooding tweets and such. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad it, uh, that it did get the actual recognition it did and deserve. Um, I think from that, they need to then spread the information of how you can report stuff like this. So that's why I tweeted yeah. out yeah, saying, if, you are at, if you're at the Austria, if you're at any Grand Prix, for example, you can't find the best person you need to go to is a steward or a security person to report this. So there isn't a one place in the building to uh, report all of this. You find someone who's got a radio, they're your best chance. And if you can't find someone, you go to a medical tent because they have to have radios and it is also a safe space for you to go in. So if anything's happened to you, they're not going to kick you out or anything. That That is what they're there for. Um, and as and you, and like, yeah, as you were saying, there is no no place for it whatsoever. Like all of that stuff, it cannot be tolerated so uh, uh, whatsoever. Um, and it was also nice, you know, to see some of the teams, you know, I think it was uh, McLaren, Aston Martin, Mercedes, if I, if I could ignore the name, I apologize, I just don't know, um, who have invited in some of those people who had had that horrible actions towards them into mm-hmm. the garages and, you know, it's kind of bittersweet because it's great for them to experience it. It's horrible that they it's as, as a result of what's happened to them. Um, however, it's good that they've got like, you know, some care from um, and hospitality from the teams. It's just the circumstances that they got there is is, 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 is really bad. But um, yeah, I think like this is a big wake up and it's more on the event organizer rather than F1. Event, F1 is the race, but each yeah. circuit is the organizer itself. So if you've got a problem yeah, yeah. of like, you know, the food vendors there or, you know, not being enough water stations or not enough facilities or toilets or anything, that's on the event organizer, which is the track, not F1 itself. So if you do have yeah. any anger with that, you do need to make sure as well you, it's pointing to the correct person. And it's good that F1 have, like, you know, they were the ones who brought in more security and stewards. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just awful to see because like we are better than this. We are all fans of the sport and like, you know, I've got like my bias towards Daniel Ricciardo. So of course I'm always going to cheer him on and make as many excuses as I can towards it. 
but then I don't then look at someone else and think, oh, your driver is awful just because it's not my favorite driver. And mm-hmm. like some people who will throw any abuse out like that, yeah, just get out. You're you're awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've watched this podcast in, in in the past. You know that we will wind Matt up about Ricardo, and that's that's a good limit. That's a good level to sort of look at and be like, yeah. you know, Matt will give it back to us about Stroll when Stroll's having a bad race, and I'm just like, ah. Uh, he will give it back and we'll give it to Aldas and we'll give it to Tomo. Like you can you can have banter and you can joke about stuff like that, but if you target people individually and you know, it's it's just no place for it. And you know, yeah, I hope you take a yeah. hard long look at yourself. Disgusting. Right. Um head to heads. Let's get on with this. Sorry. Bad cough. Um Charles Leclerc. <laughs> Hayden, can you lead today? Yeah, sure, I'll be okay. Um <laughs> Ferrari, right. Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz. Um, a bit harder, I'd say, this one compared to to, to other weeks. Uh, both drivers uh, very close in qualifying. Like, all three drivers in the top three were very close in qualifying. In the sprint, they had a battle with each other. Uh, Sainz did drop off in the end, but they were, you know, getting their elbows out. And I think maybe a call might have been made somewhere of Sainz just be like, look, okay, Let's, let's calm it down a little bit so that we can make sure we both get second and third whilst Perez is a little bit further off the pack. And then in the race, unfortunately, <laughs> what happened to, to Science? I'm sorry, I've got a cough. Allow me. Um, what happened to Science? kind of took him out of it. I still think, though, Leclerc was the one on top this weekend. But, uh, yeah, Science improved up there but i just feel like this battle now championship wise is the cleverest happen yeah i think like um and i'll say i'll save your uh, voice where you can go grab, grab some water if you want i think yeah i think both uh, for ferrari and also red bull is pretty clear who i think our driver today's are i think obviously science going into this race or into the sprint i should say is still like he was still on the whole um uh you know hype from silverson like i won the race so therefore you know what i'm gonna try and i'm win this past leclerc and then obviously i think ferrari must have had a chat with him afterwards so being like no no think smart about this we're just doing this for quality um and even you know we even saw that with Haas. you know where they they said to mick schumacher you know keep holding position because they don't want to lose any more time so then you have a better starting position mm-hmm. um so i think yeah i sort of play i think um, like it's it was a shame that you know science's race ended that way however like his pace was already dropping off during the race so i think for me yeah leclerc uh, is, uh, is is our sort of drive to uh driver of the team in this respect i keep i keep wanting to say driver of the day it's not that it's a driver of the head-to-head it's wins um, the head-to-head in, like it's simple wins yeah, the head-to-head win, yeah <laughs> every time <laughs> i need to, i know i always get that like, confused yeah he wins the head-to-head and i think going straight onto like you know red bull as well i think it's an easy dub for verstappen you know like perez did a good job but I think, yeah, Perez. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, Verstappen is the uh, driver of the day. No, he's not. He's uh, he's he's doing the head to head. Right onto Red Bull. Verstappen versus Perez is a very easy one. This one this week. Um, Max Verstappen outqualified Perez because Perez, you know, messed up his lap, so he's down in thirteenth. Then in the sprint, uh, Perez did actually a really good sprint race. Um, I mean, very Verstappen just race. drove away with it. Did exactly what he needed to do. Perez worked his way back up from 13th to P5 in a race where people aren't making pit stops. So that is a really decent sprint race. But then in the race, unfortunately, was punted off by George, retired, nothing he could really do. It's harsh, in all fairness, but in these scenarios, actually, I don't know. 
He did have a really good sprint race. Nah, okay, Verstappen. No, I'll give it to Verstappen. But he, Perez did have some promise in this race. It's just unfortunate what happened to him. Yeah, precisely that. I was like, you just agree with it's just Verstappen. Did you not listen to what I was saying before? I always already said Verstappen. I was that's why I went from Ferrari oh. to Verstappen. That's why he's my head head, oh, head winner. Fair. <laughs> you, <laughs> I did wonder why you said Verstappen when I was talking about Ferraris. And I, I, just, I, I just said past it. I was just going to let it go. I no, wasn't no. going to correct you, but turns out I'm the idiot. <laughs> no, no. I said I said you can get some water. So I said it's clear as day going from Ferrari straight to Red Bull. Verstappen is my head to head winner. I was giving you time to drink <laughs> water because as yeah, yeah. I, for me at least there was. Wasn't much of an argument there. Yeah, Perry's a good, but no, for Sappin for me was a clear head head winner. I was busy <laughs> seeing how much dosage uh, I need of my cough syrup so, yeah, that uh, I bought recently. <laughs> Quick swig, right? Uh, Mercedes free form for Mercedes again, just showing that their reliability is getting them some good results. I mean, they're still massively off the pace of those guys. Yes, Lewis had to come back through. So did George because George got the damage and Lewis had a bad. Um, qualifying, I believe, uh, because they crashed, didn't they? So Lewis was yeah. a bit further down in qualifying. Um, but obviously that reliability and not getting punted off by George Russell uh, got them third and fourth. So, But there's still 40 seconds off the pace of the leaders. So there's still mm. a lot of work to do at that Mercedes team. Uh, do I think they can get there at the end of the season? I hope so. But are they out of the championship? 100%. Um, but... <laughs> Lewis and George, who had the better? I mean, they both crashed in quali. Um, it's hard because, like, I think, yeah, quali is a hard one because it seemed for at least Hamilton is either that his rears got too hot and lost the grip or if it was a sudden gust of wind or lack of gust or the wind suddenly dropped, which then gave him the a twitch stability. Because I, I don't think that was more... So it's either tyre temperature. And I think it's sort of the same with George where either the rears got too hot and then went off that way. Uh, it's a hard one because, like, I think for me, Hamilton, in, in theory, like, if we look at the race, for example, the main race, yeah. Hamilton didn't do anything wrong. He came through and came P3 on pure merit. Obviously, there's an argument to be made that, like, okay, well, it, was the penalty fair for George? Well, if you're looking at what the FAI said, yes. But then, he, so he had to change his front wing, had a five-second uh, penalty, he then fought through and then came to fourth again, which is, I think he's where he's, I think he started fourth, I think, after the sprint race, maybe fifth. Uh, um, starting grid was, yeah, fourth for Russell. Fourth. So I think all things considered, like, I think George did very, very well. I think he went down to like P17, then came back through. Obviously, loads of people also had like five second penalties as well for track limits, uh, which he wasn't affected by. So that kind of helped even up the grid. Um, obviously, he got to have like an early pit as well, uh, changing that front wing. Um, so it's a hard one. I th it's 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 either going to George, but then it's like, well, he got the penalty, so he shouldn't have really done that. But then <laughs> Hamilton then got P10, and then like if George didn't get the penalty, he would have easily been on the podium. But then I don't think he would have been thirty seconds behind um, the, the pack. I think on this one, I've got to give it to George just because he's shown merit of like properly punching through. And I am of the opinion that George is quicker than Hamilton this season, I think. There's been cases where it's, oh, I think it is also track dependent. I know. Um, British <laughs> bias. Um, British I think bias. It is, I, think it is, <laughs> I think it's track dependent. 
I think in this case scenario, I can't remember the times during FP1 on 2. Don't come after me. I'm just looking at like, the final <laughs> results here. Um, but like, I think in this one, I think, yeah, I think I've got to give it to George. Who are you going to give it to? Well, I can tell you that in FP1, George Russell was quicker. And in FP2, George <laughs> Russell was quicker. So uh, you clearly did not so want to Hamilton. practice. How dare you? Uh, no, nah, I think I'll agree with you. I think George was the quicker driver over the weekend the penalty again yeah like, i agree with you it does kind of like put it down um and make it look worse on him but i do think it was a good recovery drive hamilton but was the also caught i think it's just very even between the two that if you were to pick either driver it wouldn't matter like i'd agree with either driver whoever anyone would pick i feel like i, I would just give it to russell i think he was just yeah the quicker driver this weekend and I, I do also think he was unlucky with a penalty. It could have easily been a racing incident. Obviously, the stewards went that way. It's That's the mm. decision. You just got to get on with it. And uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate. But yeah, Russell for, for that one. Right, Alpine. What I find really funny, just before, we go into, just before we go into Alpine real quick, I was just wanted to see what was the fastest laps between the two guys. So Lewis Hamilton in the race, uh, his fastest lap um, was... Uh, what was it? So Lewis Hamilton was a one minute uh, nine exactly, and George Russell's was a one minute nine point zero seven five. So to be fair, actually, there's not much between them whatsoever no. on, on during the race at least. Um, so who knows? Let us know down in the comments who your your head heads are as we as we go along with this because it's always good to see what your reasonings are. But yeah, actually, let's go on to Alpine. On to Alpine, Esteban Ocon. Uh, P5, Fernando Alonso down in P10. Now, I found this out this morning. Um, Fernando Alonso pitted twice uh, under the virtual safety car because his front left was loose. Yeah, his front left was loose. Oh, I heard he about this. He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything because he didn't want to get disqualified. So he just carried on when they were like, he was like, box, box. They were like, why? He was like, didn't, didn't reply at all. He just carried on. And then it was just like, at the end of the lap, said box, box again. I think that's why he was being investigated, wasn't it? Which is now being dismissed. Yes. Yes. So that's why, because he actually had a really good race. He was from the back of the grid, remember, as well. Because he did not mm. take part in the sprint race because they had an electrical issue. Um, so yeah. he started, did he, have, did he take part in the sprint? I don't think he took part in the sprint, did he? It was a DNF. No, no, he did no, not start so yet. He, yeah. uh, so he had an yeah, yeah, electrical yeah, so he, issue. Yeah, he rolled up and it was on the formation lap where he wasn't able to get off and they basically had to plug in the computer and it just it wasn't working at all. Yeah. Yeah. So he was actually running. I I want to say it was just behind Ocon. It was either behind Ocon or around the same sort of area. So to go from last to catch up to your teammate there and then have to do a pit stop on a virtual safety car, which I think would have still kept him within that points region or maybe even in the same position that he was in and then have to make another pit stop, which put him down to pretty much last to then come back, get a point on the last lap. I think for me, it is Fernando. I was actually, though, really impressed with Ocon today. And I do sort of bash on Ocon. Ocon yeah. was the quicker driver in qualifying, out-qualified Alonso around here. And I do kind of like... I don't think Ocon's a bad driver, but I don't think he's an amazing driver. I think he's just a driver that you can hire for a team, will get the job done, but will never get you a world championship sort of vibe. Um, but here today, he did a really good job. However, Alonso, with the comeback and being shafted by the pit stop, it, it's going to go to him. And you can't forget, 
The waggling of the finger. The oh of my days. As soon as I saw that, I was so happy. <laughs> it just it was such an old man dad thing, like, no, 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 don't no. That's just, I don't know if Yuki even saw that. Um uh, but also, I think with that scenario as well, I think like Yuki, it, like he, he, Alan, Alonso was his, in, in his blind spot, so probably, probably why Yuki couldn't, didn't see him, didn't expect him to be there. Um, but yeah, I think Alonso. I don't know. He, he kind of, he kind of moved over. Like you wouldn't go defensive if you didn't think anyone was there. Mm, yeah, but he wasn't fully pushing him off. But either way, I think like I think yeah, Alonso was around about you know like just in the cusp, or if not in, in tenth, I think it was just behind Norris. I think it was around lap twenty seven. I think whatever it is. Um, so he's sort of just running out of it and it's, um, yeah, so obviously I think that's what he was getting investigated for, um, of the rear loose of like, if the team knew, I think it's like, if the team knew about it, then he would have gone a penalty. But I think as you said, if he's been like conspicuous about mm-hmm. it, then that's why like, it's not on the team. It's kind of more there. So if it was loose, cause I think they were just saying it's like massive vibrations. Like I would love to see that on board. I'm, I'm sure someone's going to like record it, is it from F1 TV. It is loose. Um, I saw it this morning. Uh, yeah. Wow. You can so, see um, it moving. Yeah, I need uh, to see that. The hub. Was it the le- was it the front front left or front right? Front left, front left. You can just see it moving slightly off the hub. You know when you see a driver pull out with and sometimes it usually just goes like straight away and you can tell. I think he noticed yeah. it quite quickly and then just drove so cautiously. Luckily it was on a virtual safety car, but he drove so cautiously yeah. with it to make sure that it wouldn't just like pop off. Um mm. But yeah, it, it was a good race. Um, Ocon finished P... Oh, I've lost it now. P5. I had it on my tabs here. P5. I mean... I think I've got to give it to Ocon. Um, I completely get what you're saying. Is he going to win a world championship? I don't think so. I think he does okay. He's very much like... Um, he's just one of those drivers who's just there. He's not accelerating massively well. But I think like going off what his results today and obviously it's a shame for for fernando uh, for what happened to him however i think you know p5 for ocon that's actually really good and it's also helping out their you know championship fight with the team against mclaren i think they're now equal on points so the fact that ocon was able to get it ahead of of the of, of, of mclaren is really good for them so yeah I'm, I'm you know yeah i'm gonna back ocon on this one like fair play to him um like if he can keep that consistency up like that then, you know, I think they're going to easily get McLaren in this championship. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to Ocon. Yeah, now equal on points. And it's it's mad to think that Esteban Ocon has 52 points this season and Fernando Alonso only has 29. Um, seeing as how, yeah. how quicker Fernando has been across the season. Uh, when will this that seems man like the get season some where, like, all the dr- it's, it seems like this is the season where all like the luck is swapped with drivers. You know, we're seeing it with Al- Alonso and uh, Ocon, but we're also seeing it, you know, with like Gasly and Sonoda, you know, like last season, yep. like it wasn't working out uh, for Sonoda. It's kind of working back in his favor and Gasly's not doing so well. So it kind of seems like it's now kind of like everyone's now adapting a bit better to this new car and it's now, it's really thrown, thrown a mix into it. And, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Haas is the team that is up next with Mick Schumacher in sixth position, Kevin Magnussen in eighth. And do you know what? I'm wow. going to give it a Mick Schumacher. What a result. What a result indeed. What a result. What a race for them. And Mick Schumacher. Now, we chat badly wow. about him a lot on this podcast. Uh, up so until recently, much shit saying against that, him. But, saying yeah. that he should not be in F1. But after Silverstone, a fire has been ignited in that boy's belly. Wow. Because he was angry after the sprint race. And he just came out here driving a bit more aggressive and... Soft Mick is gone. If you fell in love with Soft Mick, <laughs> he's disappeared. He's never coming back. Soft Mick will never return. Um, and and I was impressed by it because you know he he drove fast. 
He was also great with overtakes, but also great with defending. Aggressive in the right way, but not making mistakes to put the car in jeopardy that you're going to crash out. So I think that was really good. And it wasn't just a case of Mick was in sixth in no man's land. He had a lot of positions to make up. He had a lot of fights with other drivers. And I think he did really well. Um, Magnussen, though, very good race uh, or weekend from him because he qualified in the top 10. He also got points in the sprint race, which Mick didn't do because uh, Hamilton stole uh, Schumacher's last just, point yeah. uh, just at the end. Um, so a very good weekend result from Kevin Magnussen. But in the main race, Mick Schumacher just kind of stepped it up a little bit and was able to uh, to overtake his own teammate as well and get into a better position in P6. So good points for Haas as well, because it's been a while since they've scored some good points. Yeah, and I think, like, um, I've got to really eat my words, because, like, if you watch this podcast, you know my thoughts about Mick Schumacher, where I've before I've gone on rant saying he shouldn't be in anymore after this season. And as you said, come Silverstone, something has changed with him. And, like, I don't know if he's had, like, a, like a, a Netflix, you know, filming him having a stern talking to behind closed doors with, uh, with Gunter basically saying, stop crashing the car. You need to perform, otherwise you're out. Something has fully changed with him and it's not upgrades or anything it's there like he's now on the he's now matching the pace of Magnuson, which is what our biggest complaint was before that you know mick has been with the team for so long now he should be fully like comfortable with the car but magazine has been out for a year come in and absolutely wipe the floor with him and so something has changed with mick that in both silverson and in this race more clearly now that like we're now seeing the proper pace of what the Haas can do. We saw, you know, really early doors back in Bahrain where we all surprised how quickly Haas were, were, were doing. Um, and yeah, you know, driver of the day, literally driver of the day for me is Mick Schumacher. And, you know, I think for here, from here obviously he wins this head-to-head. And I think Haas are the team of the weekend. They had such a good, uh, good race. Great, they're both in the points. And doing some really good, clean, fair racing. And, you know, they're constantly, constantly, like, swapping positions. And to the point where, they got to the point where, okay, we need to stop battling so we can actually just close up to the guys in front. They're like, nope, you know what, we know where our pace is. We're just going to keep going where we are, you know, just like, as if we can just get out of P10 and try and get towards P6. Fighting around that area, I think it's great for them. And, you know... Some of the moves both um, Mick and Kevin were doing, you know, dive bombing down like into turn three. Uh, we know we talked about it earlier, and like also, I think I think it was Magnuson doing a, a, a awesome lunge, unfortunately, on your boy <laughs> Lance Stroll into turn three as well. You got to admit where a good overtake is a good overtake, but you know it's just good clean racing from them. But yeah, uh, Mick Schumacher has really changed it uh, in the last two races, and it's good to see. You know, like um, obviously I was really like sort of angry at him before saying. I don't think he's he's worth it in F1 anymore. Must be a fan of the podcast because he's clearly changed his driving <laughs> style. And like, ultimately, this is what we want to see. We want to see the drivers properly fighting it. And it now kind of seems, coming from this, that they are equal now on, on pace, him and Magnussen. Just, I just, I hope we see this carry on. I hope this is not just like yeah. a, like a, 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 a like all uh, isolated events or uh, past two events even i want to see this carry on because if he carry on something like this then yeah of course he deserves a seat now back with the team um but if in the next race we see that drop off then i hope it's just not an isolated back event. to but, fraud uh, watch yeah, you really go well mick schumacher back i go <laughs> <laughs> yeah back to fraud watch mick schumacher you go um yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. Um, two races, two good races don't make up for the rest of the season, but uh, it's a step in the right direction fully. 
Uh, right, next team, McLaren. And uh, Matt is bracing himself again. We'll get to your thoughts in a second. Uh, Lando Norris, all my seven, ready P here. P9. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in qualifying, Lando made it to Q2, but um, didn't get out of didn't get out of Q2, although didn't actually set a representable lap time in Q2. If he'd have matched his Q1 time, he still would have got out into Q3 anyway, but he did end up starting just ahead of Ricardo. Um, in the sprint race, I think both of them are fairly similar. Again, it just seemed like Ricardo had better pace in the race again. And I think McLaren do need to kind of like, I don't know, either, either tell them they can fight or... Mm switch positions early so to give some the chance like i love the deal that teammates make in formula one or or teams trying to make in formula one where it's like okay you're quicker we'll let you through because you have the chance to maybe get bottas and get p10 right and say if you don't get bottas by the end of the race you let lando back through that's a completely fair deal to me and i completely understand it because you've been yeah. given that position by your teammate regardless of whether you say oh i could have overtaken him anyway you haven't done so so therefore, yeah. if he lets you through and you don't get past, you give it back. I, and I feel like McLaren just needs to jump with that a bit earlier if they're going to do that sort of thing. And in the race, I think a decent job from both of them, both into the points um, and just sort of caught up both in that midfield battle. So it's it, you're sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose. Um, I, I am going to give it to Norris just because he got that five second penalty and was still finished ahead. But... Good signs from Ricardo, and, and this is not me. Like I'm gonna actually be nice. This is not me shitting on Ricardo and being like, Ricardo's rubbish. Lando's the best. All that stuff. It's because I see Ricardo as being so much better than this. Like you know, yeah. in for the Red Bull days and stuff like that. I just feel like he can, uh, he can do better, and he should do better. And we've seen glimpses of that in Monza, for example. And I just want to see Ricardo get back to that stage, and that's why for most weeks I'm always putting Lando higher than Ricardo because I just feel like. Ricardo needs to because I think a, co a comment came out today because it's he's now been announced as signing for McLaren and like officially it's come out yeah um, yeah Zach, and Zach, Zach was like we're yeah. gonna help him get as close as he can to Lando's pace and for me I'm looking at Ricardo and, and being like he Ricardo's not that sort of person that needs to be being like oh I need to get to Lando's pace he he should be getting to like higher than that and that that's just the way I see it yeah, so welcome to the uh, Daniel Ricardo bias corner, um, <laughs> where all my excuses are no. So whenever, whenever I obviously I talk to the the defence of Ricardo, it's not me making up some random excuses. It's obviously I'm going to be way more knowledgeable about McLaren and mm. Ricardo and, and and Norris as well than any other driver here because obviously he's my favourite guy. So obviously I'm looking at any reports, any comments and stuff like that. So like you mentioned there, yeah, Zach Brown has now announced that yeah he's sticking with um he's sticking with uh, McLaren for 2023. We already did know that because Ricardo literally has said that in a press conference and and had and had well, two reporters and has said and that's the end of the matter. So I, I was a bit confused that people were still thinking, oh, but he might be swapped for 2023. It's like, no, no, he was the one who was in full control of the contract. That's what Zach Brown announced before. Daniel said he's staying with the team. And now this morning, uh, Zach Brown have confirmed, that, yeah, he is going to be staying. Um, so I'm glad that's kind of out, sort of out of the topic. I think this was a really poor one for McLaren. Um, you know, coming into this race where... You know, uh, Norris had the had the issue in FP1, so he barely got any running, um, and then had like some brake issues um, in uh, Q2, where he just didn't feel confident uh, going into it. Like he, I think his engineer was telling him to like, you know, did he need to come off the braking a bit more? Um, 
And then Daniel, you know, he had a DRS issue. He's still from Silverstone because that was what reported at why he was had lack of pace in Silverstone because his DRS wasn't working. They got it working for Austria, uh, but basically when it was open, the flap was basically going up and down. And also once they had that fixed, uh, the he had to then manually turn off the DRS before the line automatically did it. So when you go into braking, the DRS automatically closes, whereas he had to turn off before he even brake because then the downforce could have actually then, of him braking, could have flopped it back up. So he lost pace there. Um, again, not making excuses, literally this is just what happened. Um, I did think it was unfair during the sprint phase that uh, sprint race that he did have more pace and was saying to the team, let me go. But I think it was the same situation that they had with Haas. You know, they're just keeping it there just for position's mm -hmm. sake rather than potentially trying to move forward. Um, and obviously loads of people might say, oh, well, just because he was in a DRS train. So that's so like in sector one and sector two, of course, he's going to be closer. But sector three, he was not too, he was he, he wasn't going quicker. It's like, well, yeah, if he's been told to stay behind like Norris, obviously he's not going to get closer into the 38, just holding position. Um, I don't know if they're trying to go down the whole route of, you know, framing the car around Lando and then Daniel kind of testing the new parts. I feel, I, for me, that's what I kind of feel that's kind of what's going on because we've heard things before, even like, you know, from science saying the braking is a bit weird. And I think that's what, that's what we found is Daniel Ricciardo's biggest confidence with the car. It's not working. It's just getting the confidence under the braking and give, keeping the minimum speed through the corners up. Um, I do need to give it to Lando on this occasion because he did very, very well. I think it's confidence I think Daniel's confidence coming into this is a lot higher um, because, yeah, he's in the points, which is great to see. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they do at Paul Ricard. Um, like, I want to see the pace coming a bit more. And hopefully it's it's encouraging to see Zach Brown saying they want to help Daniel Ricciardo more, which in my mind kind of feels like they're going to try to make the car more suited around him rather than sort of copying how they've previously done it. Because I think that's the issue they had. It's a, it's a, the braking is, is a bit twitchy, which they've gone a bit too far now with Lando's car. And, and if that's what Lando's having issues with, then so is Daniel. So yeah, yeah. in this scenario, yeah, rant over. Got to give it to Norris. Great job from both of them in, in the actual race to keep it there. Um, but as you said as well, you know, yeah, Lando did get a five-second penalty and um, Daniel was still far off. But this is what we're going to before, you know, Daniel, although, yes, I can make the argument of saying, ah, oh, well, at least Daniel didn't get any track limits. Like, well, maybe he should have taken like three occasions to, to go a bit further out, out of the lines to maybe catch up a little bit, take that little extra margin. But, you know, yeah, got to give it to Norris on this one. Use his, uh, his trick of going wide of the last corner and flicking up that dirt to the uh, drivers Some behind. Dust out, go, yeah, yeah. Ago, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, on to Alfred Mayo. <laughs> Yeah, well, he, he wasn't allowed out there, otherwise he would have got track limit warnings. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Valtteri Bottas versus Zhou Guanyu. Um, I think this is an easy one, uh, looking at qualifying. Zhou uh, didn't get into Q2, Bottas did, and then Bottas, I think, took an engine penalty, which does affect you in the sprint, so he got to start from that position in the sprint, finishing P10. Zhou, good recovery, because he uh, had an issue on the formation lap, had to do another formation lap, had to go from the pit lane. Uh, got back to P14, which is where he also finished in the normal race. But Bottas went from last to uh, to P10 and got... Uh, no, P11, just missed out on P10. So I think for me, this one's going to go from yeah. Bottas. Um, Joe, again, one of those races, I think, like the start of the season where it just wasn't working for him. 
Uh, we have seen it a few times, but we've seen it recently as well where Bottas has been off the pace of Joe and he's been performing uh, really well. So uh, just because he's had one bad race doesn't mean he's on fraud watch. Uh, but yeah, this one's got to go for, for Bottas on this one. Yeah, I've got to agree. It's got to go to Bottas. And um, I think also great recovery, though, also from Joe. Like, like it seemed from his like interviews and such, like his mental state is absolutely fine like not being a bit shaken up or anything like that and it seems in this case it's kind of just more with the car having an issue and um, him just having to sort of deal with it um again it's the running theme with alfa romeo when the car works it works and when it doesn't it really doesn't it's 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 something the reliability of that it's it's just it's just not good but yeah i think you said it, it, yeah really easily there it's bottas for me as well really easy easy, easy pick on to Williams then. Alex Albon, Nicholas Latifi. This is an easy one because one driver has Simple. the new car, one driver has the old car. Uh, but one thing I'm really excited to see is what Williams can do over the rest of the season because that upgrade, when it's on Latifi's car as well, I think Latifi's going to be bumped up uh, a little bit. I think he might have more chances to get into Q2. I don't think it's going to be like Albon's level where Albon's going to be fighting for potential Q3 appearances because that's what it was like today. Albon, P11, missing out on Q3 uh, by about a tenth. So <coughs> there was every chance for him to get into Q3. And I do think they've made some good steps up uh, with that car. But um, so, yeah, so I think Albon um, definitely this, this weekend, you know, just missed out on points. It's unfortunate for him. He lost out in the sprint race. I can't remember why, but dropped down a P16. Oh, it was the it was the contact with Vettel, was it? it? Broke his front wing. And, yeah. And uh, so that's why he dropped yeah. down a P16, but then got back up to P12 in the normal race. And again, not too far off of uh, off of the point. So uh, yeah, easy one, Albon. Yeah, same with me. I think like, yeah, easy one for Albon. I think he does need to rein it in a little bit because obviously in the sprint race, he had those two incidents where he... Basically, obviously, he would blame the other driver. And I think just rein in a little bit, mate. Like, I know you have... I know Austria is the one place where it's a bit like, you know, tunnel vision of, like, or bad flashbacks, what have you, um, <laughs> to how his time in Red Bull happened there. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, it's... Uh, it'd be interesting to see when these upgrades do happen. Um, you know, I hope Latifi had a... Uh, it's a shame that, like, Latifi's DNF... Um, DNF, because I, I can't remember what the issue was with the car. Um, but it's a shame that his last ever Austrian Grand Prix ended that way. Um, but um, <laughs> mate, I'm calling it. I don't think he's going to be there next season. So um, I agree. But wow. Well, you don't no want you don't, you don't you don't want you don't want your last race to, to be a DNF, do you? It's, 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 so now he doesn't want a DNF for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. Although if, if, you, if you think there. if you think about it, though, you know, like Felipe Massa, he he DNF'd um, on when he when he retired. So um, he's going out with all the greats. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Brilliant. Uh, right, on to Aston Martin. Lance Stroll, Sebastian Vettel. Uh, qualifying, Vettel was last. Lance Stroll didn't do much better. It was P17. Uh, two tenths between those two. Sprint race, Lance got up to P13. Uh, Vettel uh, got spun by uh, Albon and then ended up DNFing. And then in the actual race, he got taken out by Gasly. Um, not a good day for Vettel. You cannot and catch a, lot a break. Of things no, couldn't catch a break this weekend. Um, one thing I did notice as well for the Astons, they had a lot of brake dust. I don't know if you saw the yeah, after. Yeah, so much. Their faces yeah. were very black, both of him and Lance Stroll. Cool, because it's uh, it gives it that nostalgia look of how drivers used to look. Health and safety, 
needs to be looked at because I can't imagine breathing in carbon dust but, is going to do you a lot of good. What I was really confused about though is that, like, I understand what he's talking about there about the brake dust coming up into, into yeah. them, as it were. I, one, I haven't seen that with other drivers yet, so I don't know if yeah. it's just with the Aston Martin. And second of all, I was more confused about how it physically got on his actual face when he's wearing a full face well, helmet. Well, it'll be the visor, won't it? It'll be that breathing area here. It would get in there. But even then, you've got... Then, yeah, but even then, you've got, like, a balaclava, which is kind of covering... Yeah, but that would yeah. probably have stained... Like, the balaclava, I can imagine, is probably stained black as well, so it just kind of, like, goes through eventually. Yeah. Now, if you're breathing that for an hour and a half... But, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it, no other teams have it. No. Um, and I think this is the first time I've seen Aston have it as well, so... Mm. It's like I, he was saying it needs to be looked at as a sport thing. I think more so it needs to be looked at as a team, team thing. thing. Yeah. Because if it's you're the only team that's doing it, it needs to be sorted out. But yeah, Aston, need to sort that out. You can't have your bright drivers. Otherwise, Hulkenberg will be ready to step in <laughs> when uh, neither of those drivers could breathe anymore. He's ready to claim um, back P20 in the championship. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be in a surprising development here. Okay. Lance Stroll had a really decent race. Got in the fight. But I also do feel like, had Sebastian Vettel not had those issues, both of them would have finished around the P13, 14 area. Would have been very close to each other. Yeah. Um, I do feel like Vettel was very hard done by in both races. Bias this, I'm going to give it a stroll. But I would completely understand if someone went the other way and gave it to Vettel. So you know it's what? a very close one. But I will also give it to stroll. I think, like, it's... <laughs> He's, done it! He's done it! He's done it! <laughs> um... Well, you were nice to Ricardo, so I'm being nice to Stroll. Like, yeah, he had uh, no. Actually, generally, like, it was good to see him properly battling um, in the midfield and fine. It wasn't the fact of like he got overtaken and then massively dropped away. Like, he stayed with the pack for quite a, quite a, a fair amount. Um, it is really unlucky for Vettel. He had just no luck whatsoever this weekend. One to fully forget. And of course, I can fully understand why he's in through. Like, he's just getting so frustrated now with the FIA. Like, you know, we talked about it earlier. You know, him storming out of the stewards because he's just like, this is pointless. No one's no yep. one's taking this proper seriously. So I don't care what the sort of the fine is for that. Um, and yeah, it's it's a weekend for him to forget. He is unfortunate, but that is also kind of racing. And, you know, like... Stroll had some good battles. He didn't get tangled up. Maybe he had a bit more leeway or whatever. But you know what? I'm going to give it to Stroll because, yeah, fair play to him. He got it to P13, still outside the points. However, you know, considering how their, like, qualifying has been and their uh, previous race performances have been, they are starting to make some headway in the race. But qualifying, though, they need to sort it out because... Yeah, Vettel being really surprised over the radio when he's like, all right, you're out of Q1. He's always like, what? Really? Out of Q1? Were you mad? It's like, mm. mate, based on the previous times, why is that a surprise to you? Like, just, mm. like, come on. I think that's, yeah, qualifying, they need to like somehow, don't know if it's something to do with the engine mode, don't know what it is, but in the race pace, they always seem to make it back. But qualifying, don't know what's going on there. Yeah, both drivers love a bit of recycling as well because they only used... Uh used tyres throughout the whole race and every single stop was going on to used tyres whereas everyone else had a lot of so, new sets funny enough with that so I saw somewhere that apparently I think it's that they went on to use soft I think it was um, but basically what they their tyre uh, I think Blake told me this uh, like break F1 um, he told me that the tyre engineer there or the tyre whatever the role is called they make sure they use all of their tires at least during like the FP1, 2 or quality sessions because mm -hmm. they believe that like there's a coating on the Pirelli tire which you need a couple of laps to wear it off so then it can get to its optimum 
temperature quicker. Yeah. Um, and no other team does this. It is just Aston Martin. So every time they come in, it's always on used tyres. But it's, it's yeah, done yeah. like two laps, basically, to try and get the coating off. So when they put it on, they think it can work then in optimum temperature. Um, so it's fascinating that they're the only team who doing it. I'm not too sure if it's working out for them because, you know, quality is really bad. But in the race, <laughs> they always seem to make the places. So yeah. it's kind of hard to see because obviously it's they're obviously then relative to other things, you know, being the driver, being the engine, yada, yada, yada. Um, but that's it's, it's, a, it's a weird fact that, that they do that. So, um, yeah, always going to, on to used. The more you know. Uh, more you last know. team then. Alpha Tauri, Gazdi, Sonoda, uh, both finished 15th, 16th. Gazdi ahead of Sonoda. Uh, qualifying, Gazdi got into Q3, Sonoda, P14. Sprint race, um, Gasly was uh, 15th, Sonoda was 17th. So dropped off a lot in the sprint. I can't actually remember what happened to Gasly. Oh, no, he got spun around by Hamilton, didn't he? Uh, at the start. So he got spun around by Hamilton at the start. Very yes. similar incident to what happened at the start in Britain. Um, but he did then also get five seconds for punting off Vettel and also um, five seconds for uh, track limits. So he was quicker, but he was also more naughty. So I don't yes, know which he way he was less of the go. track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... I think I think Alpha Tauri are starting to get a bit of a reputation now of them just being quite feisty, you know. Um, obviously, you saw Yuki, you know, somewhat like, you know, uh, we've seen that a few times, you know, just biting a bit too much so that they can chew. Um, and I think they're starting to just be a little bit feisty. And I kind of like that little narrative from them, you know, like they're not the quickest team, but when they can, they'll... They'll, it's like, imagine like you got your friend group and you got like this, like imagine like with us, with Aldas, you know, he's quite small, but he's quite feisty. So he'll throw his punches mm -hmm. and he'll, he'll, he'll make his headway with it. But yeah, it's a, we're um, just holding back at arm's I, reach as he tries to yeah, arms, get us. But yeah, we appreciate, but we appreciate, we appreciate the, uh, we appreciate the, uh, <laughs> the, the, effort, the, the, yeah. the fight there. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think with this one, I think I'm going to give it to Yuki just because I know he finished mm. behind behind Gasly. He wasn't too far behind, I think, basically. But apart, aside from the sort of the Lonzo, not, I know I'm not going to say instant because it's just a bit of hard racing, really, which which we all love. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, Gasly, it's unfortunate what happened in the, in, the, in, the, in the sprint, you know, get him getting spun out. Um, don't think it was his fault. It's, yeah, as you said, it's all similar to uh, to Silverstone. Um, but Yuki just drove, drove a decent race, um, all things considered. Um, but yeah, who, who are you going for? Quiet from both. I'll just go with Gasly just because he was the quickest. But again, it's one of those where it could easily go either way. Gasly was the quicker in qualifying. Uh, hard done by in the sprint race. But then was naughty in the normal race. So could have had better results had he not, you know, got that 10 seconds of penalties. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll, I'll go with Gasly. But it could have easily gone either way on, on these ones. And then that is going to wrap up our review of the Austrian Grand Prix. Let us know in the comment section below what you thought of that race. If you're on Spotify, don't forget to rate us five stars. Thank you very much for listening. And on YouTube, thank you very much for watching. Make sure you subscribe to the Talking Points channel and we will see you on the next one. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Bye.